Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. Joining me today is Chris. Hello. Brent. Hi. TJ. Yep. My name is David. We're choosing between the red pill and the blue pill. No. We're doing a full podcast talk about our submission to the name pending, but I kind of like talk of fame. Talk of fame is fun. First one was submitted by our very own Brent, and it was... The Matrix. The Matrix. Does someone want to go through the methodology at the jump to talk about what we are using to lead our discussion today? Yeah. So, yeah, it, this was uh, this was TJ's idea, and he came up with a lot of the questions, and I, I, I sort of put them all to, to paper, so to speak. So it originates from, it this, from? Uh, this test when uh, people would argue whether a baseball player was Hall of Fame worthy or not. And the Bechtel test. Yeah, the, the Bill, the Bill, uh, this uh, author, very influential writer named Bill James, came up with uh, something called the Keltner test because there was this third baseman from the '40s named Ken Keltner who was not that good. He was like these. He had like maybe an All Star season or two where there were a, a legion of his fans decided that it was wrong that the Hall of Fame was uh, omitting him, and they launched this campaign to get Ken Keltner elected to the Hall of Fame. So he basically just developed this uh, list of 15 questions. There's no like definitive statistical uh, output of the questions, but it's just questions that you need to ask before you decide. For example, when it came to Keltner, the answers, I think the answer was yes for Keltner for maybe three out of 15 areas of, mm. uh, of whatever. So it kind of firmly established that no, he was not a Hall of Fame caliber player. And so TJ had the idea that it would be interesting to come up with a set of questions regarding movies. And just by talking through and answering all the questions, we might have a better idea of how Hall of Fame worthy or talk of fame worthy Mm -hmm. a movie is after we kind of go through everything in it. Yep. So following a rubric of subjective questions, and then at the end we will have a secret vote. And if... Three of us think the movie deserves to be inducted into our talk of fame. <clears throat> then it's in. Mm-hmm. It is a. If it's a two-two tie. It's not in. And so the questions will stay the same every time we do this. They'll always be the same framework of questions, and uh, the answers will, of course, be different. Yeah. So discussions can exceed the bounds of the four corners, but sure. Yeah. These are just these are just topic starters. These are ways to get you moving mm-hmm. on a on a subject. So. Um, uh, I've got one question before we jump into the question here. Okay. Red pill is, uh, you know everything. Blue pill is... Go back to the Matrix. Go back, go back to the Matrix. And forget, forget everything. everything. And yeah. forget everything. Um, just before we dive in, what would y'all take if given that option? I thought about it because I think when I was younger, when I first saw this, I was like, red pill. But now that I'm older, it's like 100% blue pill. 100% blue pill for me. Yeah. At that moment? Yeah. Oh, at that moment, I'm, I don't know, I'm too, I can't, I can't not know the answer to the, to the mystery, so I think I'm taking red pill every time. I think it would, I think not knowing what's behind the door, even now knowing that what's behind the door sucks, uh, not knowing what's you don't behind know the that door. You, you don't know. As soon as you take that blue pill, you don't know that you don't know. Yeah, but it's the, I know the at the cipher, moment that, yeah. cipher ultimatum. I want to, I want to know this answer. Right. Yeah. Chris? I'm blue pill. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Brett could be the one. The rest of us are losers. So I don't poke my there. Yeah, now you, you guys all are now just appearing as green lines of code to me. <laughs> um, How about 
I give you the finger. <laughs> <laughs> and you go on with the questionnaire. Awesome. Uh, okay, so we're going to start off with the, the most basic form of uh, question here, which was, uh, I think it's the most important question to ask about a movie. Honestly, was it entertaining? Highly. And, and when, when it comes to The Matrix, I think we knew the answer beforehand. Yeah. This was very entertaining. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Even like uh, 18 years later, came out in 1999, I, and knowing what happens, the scenes are still, you get a visceral thrill out yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. There's some just like cool scenes that are that I, I've forgotten about. That as soon as like the scene starts, like the lobby thing, I think I've I've gone down on. Yeah, um, and I know that we're going to talk about individual scenes later, but just just for entertainment value, the use of slow mo is so good. But my favorite use is the dodge this, and then she shoots the agent in the head, and he just slow mo. Yeah, flies backwards. That still gave me goosebumps. Yeah, it was really good. And as soon as they got to that rooftop and they did the bullet time, I was like, oh, that's right. I remember my favorite part about this wasn't him dodging bullets. It's Trinity's fucking line. Yeah. Uh, I really, I'd forgotten how much I liked. There was a lot of the movie I I remembered and, or at least I I was anticipating going in and then there was a lot that I had kind of forgotten about. And uh, I'd completely forgotten about that, the shot of Trinity crashing into the glass with all the, the helicopter Destroying that building behind the shockwave. her. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was such a cool shot. Yeah. That's, it's shot, and there are a lot of shots like that in the movie, mm-hmm. and that's why it's, I think, so entertaining. Yeah. The uh, sub-questions under was entertaining, which we, we have for the listeners kind of an outline yeah. of what this means. I, it did not make me feel anything, though. Yeah, no, so one of the, yeah, one of those things. I was not connected to any of those Going off what TJ said, he's uh, kind of responding to one of our, our sub-questions, which was, uh, does the movie elicit any kind of emotional response? And if uh, if not, why? And you were saying you, it does not. Yeah, I mean... Not a strong one. Not... I mean, it was exciting, but... That's different. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I really didn't... wasn't too invested mm-hmm. in those characters I as com- much as I thought I remembered being completely agree it was not a very emotional movie for me like it was a it was a i mean other than the emotions of fun and entertainment right and and whatnot but to me those are more i don't know how to slice and dice it but more reactions than they are active feelings yes yes and you know the feeling feeling happy or something is i guess still a reaction but i'm in the same camp like it doesn't make me feel anything yeah, yeah really afterwards I'm, I'm agreed with that i mean I, I think the biggest misses that this movie has and maybe if they if they actually take the shots with more earnest earnestness it detracts from how good it is overall but like the half-baked love story between trinity and neo is pretty eye-rolling yeah you don't really feel because there's that big moment when she says she was going to fall in love with the with uh, the one, and you know, you don't really understand why she's in love with him, other than just he's there. Right. It's for a movie that that's about people being broken free from a program. Trinity is very coded to when the Oracle tells her what's going to happen. She is hard invested in this prophecy, and like <clears throat> saying, "You're going to live because I'm supposed to fall in love with the Oracle with with the one." Right, like that's it doesn't make any sense to me, and I don't. There's no, there's no payoff. There's, there's no payoff to any pretend investment. Yeah, you know, especially in this movie in a vacuum. Like, yeah. I know we're not judging the trilogy, but I feel like for some story, we have to. 
discuss what happens in the future mm-hmm. because it makes more sense when you realize that the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar are the ones that believe in this prophecy. It is not a Zion wide thing, right? Which you don't find out in the Matrix. You find out in Part Two and Three that they're kind of. I had like, completely forgotten all of that. Yeah, they're kind of extremist zealots, right? Yeah. Following. So then it makes a little more sense that she's so invested. But right. in this alone, it's like yeah. you don't get that from. I think yeah. we right. have more. The romantic plot is more pushed by Cipher than actually Trinity and Neo. Yeah, she's he's the one who actually puts it to her and says, "Oh, yeah, I guess." You know, you do love her, or, or other way around. Right. Yeah. She does yeah. love him, and he's kind of like uh, reacting to that with some evil glee. And he's pushing that from the start too, because there's that scene when she mm. brings she brings Neo something, maybe food or something, oh, yeah. and then the, he, she shuts the door, and Cipher's just there, and he's yeah. like he's like caressing the door, and he's like, "There's just something about him, isn't there?" He's like, I don't, remember, <laughs> I don't remember you bringing me dinner. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, I will say this. Well, my mic kind of fall into what I and David later was saying about reactionary responses and not emotional responses. I did get a, a pretty good case of the willies this time when Cypher kills Apoc and Switch. Switch. That was a a well done. Made me like, oh fuck, they're truly helpless. Yeah, they're, like yeah. you can't do anything. It's, it's the most like. Cold blooded. Yeah, I was gonna possible. say. I was gonna say cold bloodedness. That's on a switch. That stuck really with me not. for a little while while watching the movie. Another like ten minutes afterwards, I was still thinking about how scary that was. And it's, and it's the line, and it's it's a testament to Joe Pantoliano. But it's the line. Hey Trinity, if you have anything you needed to say to switch, say it now, and then just not like this, and then fucking dead. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's a it's such a scary death too because like. I don't know. There's something about like a bullet you maybe can get out of. Maybe a bullet misses you. Well, they're training for that. And yeah, but this is just somebody somewhere can just flip a switch and you die. And there's this lack of agency, Mm -hmm. and it kind of brings to mind visually like uh, pulling the plug on someone in a coma. Yeah. As I've kind of gotten older and kind of connecting some emotions. Yeah, that's a good call. But yeah, other than that, not really for me. Yeah, not many emotional responses. I think uh, to answer. Why it doesn't elicit an emotional response? I think it's pretty obvious that the movie's focused on being cool, yes, and giving you like a temporary action thrill, yeah, that kind of goes away. Yeah, it has it has two objectives in that it is first and foremost cool as shit, and secondly, it has a narrative that it needs to drive forward for these set pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a character driven story. Well, like, really, plot driven. Yeah, right. But that, that be, I mean, if if we would have it's, had action set piece driven, yeah, if it's we, like, how do I? It does it really well. Yeah, like there's like there's there's one main villain in the agents, and <coughs> you're just supposed to hate them because they want to kill the good guys. You know, you don't get their motivations really until Agent Smith talks to Lawrence Fishburne. So you can't get angry. They're not hateable characters in this. They're just right. They're programs. But like Cipher's heel turn, if they would have pulled that string a little, like he's such an excellent villain, but for two minutes. Yeah. Once he pulls the the plug on Switch and is about to pull the plug on Trinity, tank to the rescue, and then like that's it. Like Cipher's yeah. dead now. Maybe we can get to more of Cipher later, but this rewatch, I was even more impressed with Pants. I was impressed with Pants and that character. Yeah. About making a mountain out of a molehill for the character. Yeah. It was a yeah, well, I think we will talk to it later. It was a clear third for me in both ways. Yeah. And, and performance and role. Mm-hmm. It was miles above everybody behind them and behind. Did, did the through. movie surprise you in any way on a rewatch? It's it's hard to surprise on a rewatch. It did me. 
Uh, I don't feel like I'm jumping in first every time I hear Saul. Go, go for that. it. But That's fine. It did me, but I'm not sure how much of that was. I've seen that movie. This is the third time I've watched it. First time I was in the theater when I was 13. And uh, the second time I was, I think I was 19. The only reason I remember that is because it was when my grandmother was passing and I was in her house watching it. And mm-hmm. I picked up on a lot more of the imagery this time, which felt weird for a movie that seems like a giant action scene. Which but, is- I, but I saw it. And it wasn't hidden from me to begin with. It's right. not like deep, but yeah, like I, but noticed, I just saw it and didn't know it was there. I mean, I had noticed the the White Rabbit, the obvious Wonderland right. stuff uh, there before, but I had never really. I guess I didn't realize there was as much thematic depth to the movie as maybe I'll. I'll get I don't to even later. know if I'd call it thematic depth that I saw. Like mine was him like watching the him watching intently the window washers. And then the rain under the bridge and the rain in the car oh, just all attention looks to like detail. code. Like it looks just like code falling oh, down the right. screen. Yeah. I also noticed that there was uh, one scene I think where they're coming down a. Uh, I wish I could when they're falling scene. through the walls. I thought maybe it was when they were falling through the walls that it also looked like the streaming yeah. code yeah. coming down. You see that a lot. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It didn't. I I mean, it surprised me. But like I said, only because I watched the movie at a young age when yeah. I didn't care or care to look for stuff like that. Yeah. I guess I'll I'll jump in. It's two things I guess surprised me. One thing we already talked about that the action was still so, the thrills were still so thrilling. It aged well, mm-hmm. the yeah. Good. After so many times we watched it, I uh, think we may have talked about it. I don't know if we did the Mother's Day, but our mom loves The Matrix. Yeah, just thought it was so cool. One of the few sci-fi movies she really likes. Nice. Yeah, she doesn't do sci-fi, but it's still uh, up there. A lot of the stuff. Yeah. Um, the other thing that surprised me was the. Being really impressed with the production design and the world building that you don't have to do. So some of the things that like make John Wick special yeah. is the special attention to world building that mm. I think don't want to talk about the sequels, but got a little out of hand. Yeah, but was very uh, <clears throat> kind of set it apart yeah. from your other action movies because you notice the rooms that they're in. Like you notice you, you notice details in the bathroom when they go into the bathroom right. where Morpheus is eventually captured and you you notice details in all these places and it's really yeah, that's a testament to that to that design that the, world building. And the yeah. dilapidation and decay that goes throughout is something that Agent Smith touches on, mm-hmm. which is, you know, he's kind of making a point there that may be true. And uh just dovetailing to production design and the action, it's like I don't think I've really seen a ton of action movies that make the environment so in the foreground. Right. When people are shooting things, like the pieces are coming out of the wall. And yeah. like the world is breaking down through this action. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed by that. Yeah. Like the helicopter scene or the lobby scene, you know, you get drywall, bits of mortar, like all these things just like Going out and like hitting the characters. Yeah, in the yeah, because in in most action movies, a missed shot is a puff of dust off the ground, and that's it. But in the in the intro, when they're running across the rooftops, and <clears throat> I forget if it's Agent Brown or Taylor, but they're taking shots at, at Trinity. She rounds a corner. It's got a chimney and like bullet holes embedding into the brick, and like mortar flying out. Like that's it's really good. <clears throat> the attention to that that level of detail. When this movie had such budget problems um, that you could have easily phoned that in and been like, you know, we can do squibs. Yeah. Whereas most action movies, bullets go into the bullet vacuum of the universe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, the A team where there's no such thing as bullets. Yeah. Shells and bullets and like 
All the detritus from <laughs> yeah, guns yeah. go into and, nowhere. Right. You bring up the budget concerns and they could have phoned that in. It's so important they didn't. Yeah. It's the only thing the movie's got. Right. Yeah. 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 If you phone that in, the movie's not good. Right. But like and, and that's and that's where the budget got strained, is they would they spent ten days on the ten days over shooting on the subway fight. Right. And like they I mean, we, I'm not arguing with y'all. Y'all know that they needed to. Yeah, obviously. It's crazy though because this is the only one where Neo uses guns, and not that like the the gunplay, the gun kata or whatever is like the highlight reel, but like the lobby scene is you know top three iconic scenes from that. Yeah, it's a unbroken like ten minute action scene, all taking place in this small lobby, and like Neo is missing ninety nine percent of the shots he's taking with like dual MP fives. Right, and like nobody's dying because there's like maybe five guards and he's still running in slow motion today <laughs> down that little corridor. Or they do they do kind of fix the they explain why the guns are irrelevant kind of yeah <laughs> I guess yeah but yeah I'm 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 kind of in your boat David I I wasn't expecting because of how irony the universe explaining gets in two and three Mm -hmm. i wasn't expecting how excited i got at the pieces of the mythology and the mechanics of the universe are in the first one two and three are inevitable because one when you've got Thorns fishburne explaining uh or tank explaining like oh well zion is the last human colony it's Mm -hmm. the last human city it's underground the machines can't find us there we have codes to the mainframe like only our ships can get in it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, the movie, uh, I think I, I, it'll come up later, but I had a, a, long, a lot of notes on, like, this movie does not lend itself to, like, focused critique watching as far as plot goes. Right. But, but I, I found... <laughs> like, the, there are lots of things where I was just like... <laughs> yeah, I found the breadcrumb trail interesting, though. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it's it's not what I remember about the movie at all. Well, I kind of like that they don't get too lost in the details of the like if the if the story isn't that strong, don't get lost in it. You yeah. know, like it's just if it's just there to set up these action set pieces, like it was. Sure. Then they did it right by not kind of spending too much time on it. I think. Yeah, yeah but they. Well, that actually brings us to the next really topic because sure. we were going to yeah. delve into director and script and story and whatnot, and uh, really the next thing is storytelling, and so. That's what you're. Yeah, I mean, I think the the background is almost not all of it. Parts of the background are unnecessary at times mm-hmm. to even bring up. Like they don't focus on the details. That's true, but I don't even know why I'm invested in this. Like I, I still don't really. And they didn't. And I asked Chris last night to make sure I didn't miss something. But they don't really explain why humans need this program. Yeah, that's the one thing like, that why I... why do you give them anything? Why don't you just put them in the, in the goop tub and harvest them? Yeah, because a perfect world they would reject because it doesn't seem real. But why don't you give them anything... Yeah, just to, let them sit there. I guess the thought is they don't produce as batteries as much, but <laughs> that's, that's like... That's, 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 that's like Chris said, like, maybe this? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm going like, to pretend like I'm a scriptwriter. That's like reading, a bad one. reading between <laughs> the lines would... Be my guess for that. Yeah. It's just yeah, it is, and it would be. I would, I would, I could easily throw it away if it was a side point, but it is the entire point of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, wait, why does this even exist? Like, this is how. And machines are focused on efficiency. Why would they bother with this fictional world where people could potentially reject? I mean, maybe. Yeah. Why not just have them inert, living beings Mars. that are barely sustained? Again, yeah, the movie definitely does a poor job of explaining why the Matrix is necessary, uh, at all, but. 
if I'm putting on my, my screenwriter hat like Chris, uh, I guess I'm going to suggest that maybe it's the only way to keep people unconscious in the pods is by plugging them into something. It prevents them from awakening by giving them something, mm-hmm. giving them the carrot. But I mean, they could be in a coma. It doesn't... Yeah. And people wake up from comas. Yeah. You can keep them induced, though, is what I'm saying. Also, if you can do all this other... I mean, I guess I don't want to talk about it too long. No, no, no. I'm also, like, I'm having, like, memories of two and three. Not that it's important for evaluating one, but we're trying to address maybe a plot hole. Um, is the architect... Does that he end up being a rogue AI? He is some... I don't know about rogue, but he's some kind of AI. Because... He's a program. But he's he's not controllable by the agents. Right. I think that's correct. So did the architect create the Matrix for the people who were unconscious so they would have something? I forget. And I don't, we don't need to get into it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you're an asshole because you assigned this because now I'm going to watch the next two. I finished it and I thought, I don't really want to watch the next two, but I'm, I don't remember, <laughs> I don't remember anything about, about two, other than especially. Other than the like white dreadlocks dude. Yeah. Uh, the, the banshee weirdos. Yeah. Once they start saying, like, well, it's the Matrix, so werewolves and banshees exist. Yeah. It's like, I, I guess so. <laughs> sure. Talking about storytelling choice, I tried to focus a little more on meta movie stuff, because I know what happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. I did think it was interesting, one interesting early, interesting thing early in the movie, is if it's straight ahead, cool movie, when Thomas Anderson gets the phone call and says, go to the scaffolding and go down, mm-hmm. he would meet Morpheus. I thought it was at least interesting that he is not there yet, and he goes with the cops and he gets arrested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked that part. That was a good, yeah. good, good script call. I, I, I liked the, the <coughs> John Anderson is not an action hero to begin with. It yeah. kind of plays into also what we'll get into later with the theme, I think, the central themes of the movie. But yeah, I like that part. I am excited to hear about what people thought were themes in this movie. Me too. I, 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 had, I had trouble. Me too, I had, yeah. I left, too. This is the only thing that I left blank like on, like on by accident. Um, I do want to just want to say, my I think... You know, still screenwriter, but this time screenwriter envy hat. Um, I really appreciated, um, as far as the the direction goes, um, that or not the direction, but the, the the compilation, the storyboarding that we start out not with Neo waking up with Follow the White Rabbit. We start out with an action scene with Trinity, and we are immediately shown that the supernatural is possible. Mm-hmm. And then we find out, as Neo does, that what is making things supernatural, but we already know that it's true. Neo doesn't encounter this at all until, like, yeah, the phone call's weird. Like, yeah, Trinity Nunning's name is weird, but they're hackers. Like, fucking shit's weird. Yeah. But then, when the agents close his mouth and put a bug into his stomach, that's like, we're like, yep, new shit was crazy, Neo, like, sorry, couldn't tell you. Like, that, like, dramatic (laughs) irony is really effective. And it's, like, a half hour. Yeah, it's real quick. of, Of exposition for just the main character. And it doesn't feel like it's wasted time. That's a good point. I mean, I enjoyed the way that they kind of write in that the rules can be bent or broken because it kind of fixes any yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. You can just do what you want. Yeah. Because, like, I, I was telling Chris, I thought when it, one of my favorite lines in the movie is, uh, is that air you're breathing? Right. In the training session. I think it's one of the most memorable lines. Mm-hmm. And, uh,. <laughs> When he gets his ass beat by the guards and the agents, uh, Morpheus, and he's like huffing and puffing in the chair, it's like, wait, like, aren't you like the god of this not huffing and puffing <laughs> thing? Like, why are you like, <sighs> like sitting there in the chair, heavy breathing because you got your ass beat? And it's like, oh, I guess 
some rule got bent or broken. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> and I think that's the, part of that's the serum. I think right. the serum might you know limit his awareness somehow because they inject like metal sludge into his throat. <laughs> right. Because I mean, it's not like it's, it's it's a hard reality to break, right? Like, so you have you're given this set of rules where if you die in the matrix, you die in the real world because the body can't survive without the mind. Right. Yeah. But if I snap Brent's arm in half in the matrix. Does his arm just inexplicably break in half in the real world? Like, it's a hard... Like, I don't know where right. to cross that. You know what I mean? It's... It's, it's not a problem a with the movie. It's just... of disbelief where you just, yeah. like, the brain can break your own arm or whatever. But it, but what he's saying is, is there a physical break on your arm in the real world or is it the same pain as the break? Oh. Does your body in, I'm just, have, just, have experience the same trauma? I, I don't think it's, it's a plot hole. I think it's yeah. just a curious thing. Like question. He, he bleeds. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's... Well, he thing. coughs up blood. But I'm... I'm like, he doesn't have, like... Bullet wounds in him. That's true, but he's, I don't he, think he bleeds. True, he, he doesn't awaken with like a when, wound in his. When Mouse gets shot, he he is like convulsing and coughing up blood. I don't. I don't know. I think it's a fine question. Yeah, yeah I was just. It's just. Interesting. It's definitely in the gray area that's explained by like rules can be broken. Right. To your point. Right. Uh, do you think the end of the movie is a good payoff for the setup? Because I actually found one reviewer, one well-known reviewer, who did not like the third act. And it's Roger Ebert. That was his main problem with the movie, was the fact that they spend time establishing that you can rise above like guns and physics of the world, and then they rely so much on guns at the end of the movie. It was one of his main problems. Is like, Roger Ebert liked the movie, but he I know he said that one of his main issues was uh, that they spend two thirds of the movie establishing that they can become sort of supernatural powers within the Matrix and. They don't really use enough of that at the end. I didn't think that. So to answer the first question, I wasn't super pleased with the ending. But to argue with Roger Ebert, that's not why. Yeah, I mean they took guns to fight the the people that are in the Matrix, the guards. Yeah, still shoot them. I agree with you. They 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 laid it out the whole time that the agents don't know how important Neo is to the cause. They shoot everybody. They don't know he can stop bullets. Obviously, they wouldn't fucking. I wasn't really on board with Ebert's criticism. I just wanted to see if anybody else agreed. My my problem with the the question, not the question, but the answer to the question, does the like are the goals that were established at the beginning get solved? I don't know what goals were established at the beginning. I think the movie, <laughs> the movie is like what's the point of the movie? Like, yeah. The movie is consistently moving the goal. Find out, like get confirmation, get Neo, confirmation Neo is the one, he's not, get Morpheus. It's just it's completely like episodes of an action T V show yeah. rather than a continuous movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had trouble answering that one too because it's not a clear... I know, guess the goal at the very beginning, what is the Matrix? He figures that out, but it's like that's, 40 minutes into the movie. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's super true that you don't... Like, they're just on a mission that in the middle of the movie when the agents catch them and then the goal of the movie becomes get out. <laughs> yeah. And that goal's not set in the first half. You're totally right. I think theme wise, which we'll get into in a minute, it does. We can go there now if you want. It does. It does. uh, It does accomplish its goals with its theme. But as for the story, I mean, I agree. Not as much. Yeah, I agree with everyone in the room about that. Did you like the characters in the in the movie? Were they they well developed? Were they consistent? I think no, with a couple exceptions for me. Yeah, same. (laughs) Good job, guys. So, (laughs) what were the exceptions? 
Exceptions for me was I, like I said, I thought Cypher was compelling mm-hmm. in that he was an evil character that it's understandable that he's been spending nine years doing this horseshit duty yeah. of knowing that there, that ignorance is bliss out there. Whenever he goes in there, you know, everything is great. He can do whatever he wants. When he goes to the real world, it's awful. And that's what Morpheus wants to bring everybody is back to the awful. Mm-hmm. Right. I can understand where he's coming from. I thought he was compelling, and my most compelling on this rewatch was Agent Smith for me. Yep. Yeah. His his two monologues, his couple monologues he got, really good. Just like he skyrockets from like generic, like uh, literally generic, generic yeah. stereotypical. Oh, he's in a suit. He's I, a I get the theme of that, like mm-hmm. the establishment to like, oh, there's differentiation even in the the generic suits, and this guy has his own worldview. He wants to get out because when he when he's when he asks the other agents to step outside so that he can start, mm-hmm. you know, really complaining about the Matrix and humanity, the smell and the smell of everything. <laughs> so good. That's Disgusting. a really good. That's a really well written part. Yeah, I thought mm-hmm. great call. And it gives all the rest of the action he's involved in the rest of the movie. I think more gravitas. Yeah, like the fight in the subway is Neo's trying to get back, and Agent Smith is trying to be done with this and get out. Yeah. He's he's he has a, his own um, goal. He's, he's a road road program now. Yeah. At that point, I would throw uh, uh, Morpheus into the characters that I like and were compelling, only because I feel like they hit it over the head so much that he spent his whole life looking for the one. He's finally got him. Like I was excited for him, like a kid getting a bike for Christmas. Yeah. Like you knew he was so excited, and he he sped up the training like faster than he should maybe. You know, took him to the Oracle, <laughs> which yeah, was like yeah. so defeated when, when he thought Neo was like out and done. Like this can't be. I don't know. I like that character a lot better than than the other characters in the. I do think the, the character we're introduced to in the character from the Nebuchadnezzar and the rest of the movie are two different characters. Yeah. If he's excited that Neo is the one, you get nothing in his affect or his personality or anything Right. when he's offering him the choice. Maybe that's part of the character is he doesn't want to influence yeah, him. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, it's supposed to be a flat delivery because it is. it has to be influenced entirely by the person. And the lies like, that Morpheus is telling him. Right, and Morpheus <laughs> is completely lying to him. Right. But I wanted to just jump in and say that uh, one, of, one of the things that made me giggle is you're talking about the training, how they speed up the training. Yeah. Mouse is sitting at the console, and he's like... That part? Well, no, not the karate chopping <laughs> the air. But when people walk up, and he's like, he's been in there for t- in, in there for 10 hours. He's a machine. It's like, I don't think that's the kind of joke you should make this time. <laughs> <laughs> how about, I mean, it's, it's one of the... It's a question we threw in. Uh, anything noticeable about the editing in the movie? I, and I kind of throw pacing in with editing. Yeah. And so I thought, I was going to point out that I thought the movie was immaculately paced yeah. for an action movie. Yeah, that's where the editing is kind of just like, I don't know, probably? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looks it looks like, it reads like an, an EKG. Is There is, as soon as there is a long enough dip where you start to lose attention, there is a high budget action, yeah. we keep calling them set pieces, you know, that, that, that kicks you back into it. Yeah. It's action, exposition, action, build and release, action. Yeah, and then I, I even like even within the individual action scenes, I did like the pace and the editing. Yeah, something that I didn't notice that was like really cool is the intro where we get in the world. 
they trace the call from Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, her escape from the, the agents when she does her insane torpedo into the window. Yeah. And has, like, the movie takes a beat of, it's like that, uh, like, this this primal thing in you. Like, something's chasing me. I'm going to look where they're at. Oh, like, is that the get up scene? When she's looking up, breathing. Yeah. The yeah. movie takes a beat. Yeah. It's like no music. Takes a beat. Takes a beat, and tell herself run. Yeah. Because yeah. she's just so like, I like I like that the uh, I think that really ratchets up the tension, and movie mm-hmm. does that at a couple different points. And from a from a from a storytelling perspective, it also helps you ground yourself that these are supernatural things these people can do, but they are not super superhuman. Like they can they can exceed the normal bounds of what is possible. But they're still, like, they're not immortal. And, yeah. it, and it takes you back it's down. The, like, like Trinity agent, is legitimately scared. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes Trinity from, like, being a superhero to, oh, these are people. And the a- agent not, like, popping out from the brick to grab mm-hmm. her from behind, like, horror movie style, is not going to happen in this movie. Right. Right. Back to the pacing, I, I really liked that. Uh, I don't know. I can... I thought it compared to a video game almost, where you get the action pieces and then the like the cutscenes, sort of, except in, in more elongated form. Right. But it was nothing felt too long. There was not any point in the movie where I was like, okay, get to the next thing. Like, which happens for me sometimes during action scenes. Like yeah. sometimes yeah. during action scenes, they go on too long, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, all right, finish already, man of steel. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I really liked the pacing of the movie. I think it's one of its strongest points. Yeah, um, I, I think I think the lobby scene is a little long. I think that that was the one that it. when I was younger I gravitated towards because it's guns and it's cartwheels and it's like knocking shotguns over people's shoulders, everything slow motion, blowing them away, everything slow motion. Get that propeller head song. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the iconic and oft parodied Matrix. It's the Matrix action song now. Yeah, that's all it is to me. Right. But that song, that that scene is way less impressive to me than the low stakes Morpheus Neo sparring scene. I think that I think yeah. that to me is my favorite fight scene. In the movie, it's really good. The kung fu demonstration, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, loved it. So yeah, that movie, I was that so excited so to watch great. it. Yeah, when it was coming up too. Yeah, and I was excited as mouse. I wanted to like go run and like get the neighbors to be like, "Morpheus and Neo are fighting." <laughs> yeah, memorable leading up to it. I was probably like, "Oh yeah, I remember the lobby scene and the rooftop thing." Mm-hmm. But I think the my favorite scene was the subway fight with Agent Smith and Neo, and they're starting to mirror each other, like the the movements. Yeah, and the. Jumping in the middle, mid air, and catching each other, and their momentum taking them as like a centrifugal force in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. You get some of the Agent Smith thing where he's doing the flurry of punches, mm-hmm. and uh, you know him on the train tracks. I just think that whole sequence is definitely my favorite in the movie. Yeah, and it's like Western style duel. You even get like the like tumbleweed yep. equivalent, the, the newspaper oh, yeah. flowing across. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I really like that. Um, obviously, the this, this sparring is, is my favorite, and I've talked to death about the intro. I, uh, I also just really like the simplicity of anything that happens in the construct. From the exposition of what the Matrix is, where you've got Morpheus standing next to this like high back red leather chair, um, and the, the old like 60s-era CRT, and then Neo just like against a white background... And, you know, Morpheus's chair is immaculate and brand new, and Neo's chair is, like, all run down and ratty. It's stuff like that. It's, like, really simple. And then even, like, more in the cool aspect, but the gun room, where yeah. they're, like, we're going to need guns. And it's just, like, a fucking, like, yeah. stacks yeah. in a library flying past them. That's 
Yeah, it's really neat. Mm-hmm. My favorite scene is probably the stuff that happens on the Nebuchadnezzar during the subway scene. I really liked them not knowing if the one, the two people that are totally invested in this prophecy, you know, might have to kill them. Right. And, you know, obviously one of my favorite lines is the when Neo kind of realizes that he had to make a choice and he's not the one, but he's got to go in. And when he comes back and he's kind of confused because he, you know, became like yeah. a lord down there. When he starts to tell Morpheus, like, but the Oracle, his response of like, the Oracle told you what you needed to hear. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was really good. Um, but the question, too, does it have one scene or more that stands out as memorable? Yeah. The answer for this movie is obviously Obviously, yes. yeah. 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 The the lobby scene is certainly iconic, even if it's not no longer our, our favorite, necessarily. Yeah. It's got the opening scene, the red and blue pill scene, the Bull, lobby scene, the, the bullet time, scene. The, the, the limbo bullet time stuff. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Yeah. that yeah. translates well. Honestly, that was the first thing I thought of when I was thinking of yeah. ha- having to watch The Matrix. The mm-hmm. bullet dodge. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah, not yeah. as so, much of that as I as you think of because it's it's the it's yeah. the biggest thing you remember from the movie, and then you watch it. And there's like three it's also instances the of the most it. parodied. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, when when he stopped the bullets at the end and dropped them, I didn't remember that was coming. I was expecting him to see him dodge bullets again. I was like, oh, he did tell you you wouldn't have to dodge bullets anymore. Right. So I'm glad we got that payoff. Except for the rest of the movies, he has to dodge bullets constantly <laughs> and does the like ooh, like dodging that the agents do. Yeah, one of your uh, you were just talking about Neo feeling like he had to die uh, because the Oracle told him that he would have to choose. Let's turn it to themes. So I think there were some more obvious themes in the movie. Like, well, actually, I don't know. I kind of want to hear what y'all thought first. I have a, like a big fat blank. Nice fate, fate. But I don't know what they really do with it. Being the one um, choice of. No, in in fate is your choice. Hey, 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 hey! You know that uh, how his hacker name is Neo. Did you know that Neo is an anagram for one? <laughs> <laughs> that was on IMDb's trivia, and it was like seventy-four to seventy-five people thought that this was interesting. It's like how three letters this is the easiest fucking thing to, to make anagrams. So, of. They also hit it over anagram the for eon. <laughs> they also hit it over the head with the uh, the oracle saying like, uh, "Don't worry about the vase." And it's like, if I told you, this is going to bake your noodle. If I told you about it ahead of time, would you still do it? What about you, TJ? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Me and Chris talked a lot about this last night. Because I was saying, I don't know, especially for this question, to address the theme to a movie watcher. I feel like I either had to say, does this movie want me to think I'm in the Matrix? Or does this movie want me to think I'm in 1999 leading toward the destruction where the Matrix becomes a thing? And I don't know. I think it's clearly the latter. I think it's clearly really? trying to tell How? us. I think it's trying to. I think the message of the movie is is nonconformity and it's, accepting it's like, what you are. The theme is like wake up, sheeple. Yeah, but but I'll I think it's like more that. than. I think it's more than especially the way that people have co-opted what red pilling. Yeah, means. I was about to say that's yeah. that's. Uh, <laughs> well, I meant it in that way. Right? I know. Right. <laughs> um. From Neo starting off as like Thomas Anderson, who works in a dull setting that where he looks and dresses like everyone else. Well, he does wind up dressing like the other people anyway. But but it's uh you know they you've got that compared to you got the dull work life compared to the one crazy party that he goes to the hacker party the hacker party and <laughs> look boring 
And how I think that that scene at the beginning where he steps out onto the ledge and he's just like, I can't do this, is mm-hmm. about him like not really accepting what he is. He has he goes back into the dull conformity of the Matrix for a minute because he can't quite take that leap yet. And it's ultimately about him just slowly realizing what he I think the like the one is just a metaphor for everybody to just be who they are. But see, it took me to like kind of the uh, Vanilla Sky ending. <laughs> Did y'all compare these at all in your head when you watch this? No. You know what I'm talking about there? Mm, no. Not really. It's so Vanilla Sky, the, we're the lucid dream, and he gets the option at the end. We can put you back in this dream. We're so sorry we fucked this up. You can dream forever in whatever world you choose, and you'll never know it's not fake. Or you can die and see what happens. And he picks die and see what happens because it's the free right choice. It's a dumb choice in my opinion, though. Like, why would you not take this thing that can't be broken, that it can be any life you want to live ever, yeah. over hell. It's it's he like freedom. You can be free in 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 like a scorched earth, or you can think you're free in a beautiful one. It's it's a it's a masochistic, like it is. If it is about his exceptionalism, and then the theme is about um, you know stepping out on your own and making the right choice. As opposed to the comfortable choice, like yeah. this is this is a bad frame for it, <clears throat> because we're given these two options. <clears throat> that red pill means there's this harsh truth, and now you'll deal with it. But blue pill means that you are in your normal life where you have the same ups and downs you have now, and uh, you won't ever remember being provided this option. Well, they well, you may not remember the actual option though. I think there's like there's hints at the beginning of the movie that he's kind of aware that that things aren't right mm-hmm. and that he's I mean yeah they all hackers are in this he's universe. looking for an escape and I think that would return and so I think he would still feel out of place in the matrix well it also helps that the person that is picked to be the one is leading kind of a scumbag like nowhere life like you don't get the same like whatever but you don't get the same like reaction to the red pill versus blue pill if it's like someone who's married with kids, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they make a different choice for different motivations. Like, you know, the the you know they want their family to be awoken also or whatever. But yeah, well, I guess with the with the theme that I'm throwing that out there, that that could that could also fit with like I guess conf- well I don't know, I guess conformity is not the right word, but because he's like he's counterculture. Yeah, he's selling data to other like. I don't know what what year it's supposed to be taking place, but see, leather jackets and like spiky clothing is <laughs> really in. Like, is this supposed to be in 1999? <laughs> I was like, they're hackers. She's yeah. like, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I think it's supposed to be in 1998, and then yeah. into 99 by the end of the movie. Um, I mean, and the, the other thing on, on my, you know, my diss, I was just saying about it's a dumb choice. There is a full super city of people that you'd be throwing to robots. You know, I mean that that is, and if you fail, but you don't know that. That is not what is given to you. Well, I mean, you do. He knows that in the movie. Is what I'm saying. Oh, right, right. right. No, this is post pill. Yeah, sorry. Um, so I mean that that's something. something. Do the right thing. I don't know. The, see, see, by, see, by, by by uh, you know, by rejecting conformity, you've saved the world. Like that sort of. I mean, that's message. That, that's obviously what the movie's saying, but yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm not really asking yeah. if you agree with the message. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, yeah. it, 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 that is the theme, I think. Yeah. Break conformity, save the world. So, how do you but think that? I think it's just a, a free your mind. I think it's just an argument against why don't the Eagles just fly Frodo to Mount Doom? Like, this, there, there has to be a movie. Like his remarkable exceptionalism is because there, there is a protagonist in this movie who is going to do kung fu and shoot guns. So, like, why does he choose the pill? It's, I don't think it's, it's, it ever matters why he chooses it, which is why I don't think theme is important. Oh, but I think, but I think he takes the pill, and then the theme is important. And the theme, I think they 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 do it. I just don't think they do a good job of it. Of free your mind, save the world. I, mean, I feel like he's also though not unique, because obviously there are people that are born that there's a certain percentage of them that reject the simulacra of the mm-hmm. simulation, right? Yeah. And Neo is no different. There's like it explains like outsiders out there, they're onto something. Yeah, because they're gonna eventually reject the reality and hit the truth. Not only that, but he is not the first the one. He is the one five point Yeah, like he's he is told in this movie that there are people who came before him, yeah. who were exceptional the way he needs to become. So he's still filling a role that was predetermined for him, which is what's hard for me with, you know, breaking away from conformity or making difficult choices for the greater good or for making the right choice. Seems like a, a rougher theme. What if it is just self acceptance? And because then you you play with, or, I mean, when you when you have that theme, and it's just whatever you are. All these people who are the one have right. to sort of accept that at some point. And I think that I, I don't know. I, I I read a little bit and I I came across this, and it's it really makes a lot of sense when you consider the directors of the movie that. Uh, the Wachowskis dealing with gender dysphoria at the time mm-hmm. would probably I think that's a significant theme for them, which is which is a society that doesn't want you to be like like in the Matrix. The, it's a society that doesn't make anyone exceptional, and Neo has to just accept what he is, and that is different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, Blue pill. It's an easier life. Like let's say you're homosexual. In 1999, it's easier for you to just, I guess, tamp it down and get married and go on because that's the normative pathway. Mm-hmm. Versus red pill would be rejecting that and being true to yourself. Be, but it's uh, going to be tougher. Self-expressive, yeah. And, and, and I love that it's taken to with this. It's taken to a an extreme literal that if you take the blue pill, you are literally a cog in the machine. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think there's uh, there's also, and you wouldn't get this just from watching the movie, but there's uh, one of the Wachowskis gave an interview where they said that uh, early in, uh, I guess, when they were teenagers, or uh, when they were a teenager, um, strongly considered uh, killing herself, mm-hmm. and she the, the method she uh, was going to consider was uh, throw herself in front of a train, mm-hmm. and... So I think that makes that scene, I don't know, I think it reframes that scene a little bit for me. Yeah. With the agent being all of, the agent representing all of the Matrix and all of the world sort of weighing down on Neo. Because he's literally on his back. And he has to throw the agent off his back to Mm. get out from in front of that train. Right. And so, I don't know, I found that very interesting and and I think it... So, I don't know, I think that's an interesting uh, aspect of the theme, is how it pertains to the directors. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I get behind it. It's an interesting read, but it's also, it's a little outer narrative. 
I don't know that that's in the movie. Right. Yeah. Oh, true. You guys, you, you want to know a fact that I thought was a bummer that I read about this? Mm-hmm. Is they had intended the character Switch, and the reason why the character has the name Switch is they wanted Switch to be a woman in real life, but a man in the Matrix. But the producers of the production company said that that would make it too confusing for viewers. I know there's a lot of, I don't know, even a lot of their, uh, Neo and Trinity both are almost androgynous looking. Right, and, you know, Switch yeah. is obviously androgynous. Yeah. You know, it's, I, but I, I thought that would have been a, a cool touch. Yeah. They're like, you know, this person is choosing to express as a different sex in the Matrix. There's also that really uh, obvious Christ scene where he dies and then comes back to wash away the agents with his shining light. Uh, also, I read that this is another thing that unless you're timing the movie, you wouldn't know, but he is dead for exactly 72 seconds, which uh, correlates with 72 hours that Jesus was supposedly, uh, you know, dead. And so that's really overt, that yeah, that yeah. theme right there. Yeah. That is, I mean, there's a there's a savior parable to this whole thing. Right. right. There's like a last temptation of Christ thing about the red pill, blue pill is mm-hmm. his temptation in the desert. Yeah. Like, do you I mean, want to go back to being a man or? In the third one, he raises up in front of the foul thing. He's got like his arms out and his legs together. Yeah. Yeah. So. Essentially crucified there. Needless to say, there's a lot of at least themes at play in the movie the directors were in, intending for. Regardless of how well we think they worked. Right. Yeah. How about the performances? Anything stand out as a great performance? I want to say something. Keanu Reeves is not exactly a terrific actor in this movie. No. Um, and not to like do the whoa criticism, but his the thing that stuck out to me is is you know looks at the window washers and Morpheus is like go out to the scaffolding. He's like, okay, John, gotta go out on that window ledge. Like, can I do it? I don't know. He's like, he's got this external monologue. He's that's just li- like fucking weird. He's literally saying like, this is insane. I'm gonna go out on the window. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, he, he, he's yeah, he's, he's not exactly great, but he's 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 fantastic at the helm of an action scene. Yeah, I love to be an apologist for him because I think he's ragged on a lot, mm-hmm. but he's yeah he's an avatar in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I think Lawrence I feel like he was directed that way too. Yeah, which probably. probably didn't help. Yeah, you're you're an awkward hacker dude. Yeah, be awkward hacker dude. And right. He's like, don't have to change. Yeah. <laughs> I think Lawrence Fishburne is is really good yeah. as Morpheus. Uh, I love the first scene where you first see him, and he turns around, and the lightning flashes behind him. It, it <laughs> yeah. looks like a vampire, yeah. it's like a black vampire with a with those little sunglasses that don't have. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, I don't know how those work. Still, <laughs> they were they were custom designed for his face. Yeah, that's so. impressive. I need to get me some of those. <laughs> um, like something about that, like the visual effects, a lot of them uh, hold up. Some of it doesn't. Yeah. The a lot of the sci-fi elements, I think, hold up a lot less. Yeah. yeah. But every time you're looking at Morpheus's face, they are digitally mirroring things that are going on. Yeah, yeah. So obviously that you can see, like, yeah. the green screen circles almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see, like, a red pill in one eye and the blue pill in the other eye. It's like, is he never, like, moving or looking at something? He's always just like, <laughs> now I am stationary talking. Also, I then- am a moa head. <laughs> I was going to say back to performances. Joe Pentoliano and uh, Hugo Weaving are yep. both fantastic. Yep. Those are the three, three really. Three, yep. um, All stars, yeah. Car- I mean, I don't think anybody got cheated at award time nah. in this movie, but those three were all really great. I was I mean, surprised by how good Hugo Weaving was yeah. as Agent Smith. It was really good. Yeah, just like his like uh, 
He's he's so tamped down, but just like the musculature in his neck and in his jaw when he starts talking about how he is going rogue and is out of it, and just like his his eye acting and eyebrow stuff, he is, takes is really good. Yeah, I mean, he takes a character that without those monologues would be otherwise forgettable, and he still makes them memorable in every scene that he's in because yeah. of his delivery and performance. Mm-hmm. He's good. Um, Whereas Brown and Taylor, like, who the fuck knows who played them? Right. Right. Technical achievements in the movie, I think we this is could be pretty quick. Yeah. Were the visual effects good? Yes. They were there were a couple that I thought were pretty dated. You know, some of them were just like clear clear bad CGI. Um, the Trinity doing her spiral cannon jump through the window at the beginning I thought was like real hokey. Neo falling during the yeah. the jump. Yeah. Falling into the puddle of asphalt. Yeah. Uh, but the pure CGI stuff. And the, the action effects were great. Yeah. Like the, the, the spider sentinels tearing the Nebuchadnezzar apart, I thought was really good CGI. I, I had my biggest problem with this was all the Nebuchadnezzar stuff. Yeah. That I didn't really, I didn't really, uh, I wasn't really taken by it. Huh. Some of the squid stuff, like the, the squiddies out in the thing, mm-hmm. basically reminded me of like PlayStation 1 computer graphics. Very generic. Yeah. I guess when they're interacting more with the Nebuchadnezzar, it's a little better. But, but you, so you thought that like the that it was like bad visual effects, the 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 War of the World style walkers sucking up the baby eggs and the HR Gigeresque apocalypse. Like I thought that shit was really well done. When they're doing the summary of what's going on with these baby farms and the things going around, going and like pulling in babies, that was like effective and frightening. I didn't think that it was like make believe visual bullshit. Oh, I liked that too. Yeah, I like that the the farm stuff. Yeah. And so you I, mean specifically the Nebuchadnezzar? I'm thinking the, that they don't sell that as an actual world to me that well. Okay. As the Nebuchadnezzar is a little like you know fairy out on the ocean, mm-hmm. and I don't know, just I didn't buy it as much this time. Okay. I didn't think the makeup was noticeable in this movie. It's not a movie where people look anything. like... I, I wrote down. I didn't notice it, so it was good. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down not noticeable. Moving mm-hmm. on. Uh, set design. We already talked about how fantastic the set design was. I want to say HR Giger esque again because <laughs> it felt that, good to say. I guess my 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 point about those visual effects is I don't know if I'm influenced by movies that came after it or the movies before it. I can't really tell at this point, but it seems like it's uh, like a matte paint from a dystopian sci-fi future. I feel like sure. it's H.R. Geiger-esque because it reminds me of H.R. Geiger design stuff. You know, the biotech uh, coming together stuff yeah. that I feel like, I can't really tell if I've seen it before in some other things or it's been influenced by it. Right. But it seemed just like a copy-paste that kind of feel. Right. It, it's hard to I can see really it. interpret why I kind of rejected it a little more this time. I do have something to say about costume design in this movie. Nothing dates this movie quite like the costume design, I feel <laughs> like. Bad. Yeah. Just all the, those black trench coats were out of style before the movie probably even came out. Also, like, I know I'm like Jim Short guy always, but like if I was going into this like program to fight things, I'm not wearing a suit. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus. 
uh, three I, sunglasses and a vest and a long leather jacket. Like, no, give me gym shorts and a wife beater. I'm gonna outrun those things. <laughs> well, it's, and it's and funny isn't it helpful to discern detail, like looking for deja vu's and little glitches in the matrix? Why does everyone have shades inside? <laughs> it's so dilapidated, the light is so low. Because they're trying to block out the green fucking tint on everything that's in this true. goddamn movie. That's pretty deliberate. The matrix is starting to bleed through. And that's, the that's, real world is blue and the matrix is green. Yeah, and that's something that I wanted to say somewhere on here. I forgot where. I'll, I'll say it now. You can say it now. But I, I think I think it dates it, is um, the green screen. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a CRT monitor with a black background with green font. Like You have to explain that that's what terminals were to sure. kids. And so then to take that and amplify it, that everything's green. Everything right. is green. There's a piece of green cellophane across the camera that is lighting people's faces in unnatural ways. When... <laughs> When Keanu Reeves is on the on the outside of the building, it's not like a natural like gradation of where a sun would be. The bottom of his chin is brighter than the rest of his face with green. <laughs> right. It's just it's absurd how much they force it in there. You brought up the the deja vu thing too. One part I chuckled at last night was like new new guy going to the Matrix on his first mission, like out of fight stuff. It's like whoa. Deja vu. Saw a cat twice. Also, like, that's who not, says that at that's, that time? That's not deja vu either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Has Neo never experienced it's, deja vu? It's not, yeah. it's not like you just saw a car go by twice. That's like, ooh, deja vu. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's also like, is that just like his MO? Just like, ooh, man just flew. Ooh, guy just dodged bullets. Weird cat. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it, it would be his style if he said, is that a cat? Is that a car? Because I looked in the IMDb thing that yeah. after he enters the Matrix, 50% of his dialogue are all questions. Questions. <laughs> <laughs> Anything about the sound. Uh, it's it's an action movie. It has good sound. Yeah. Right. Good sound. Yeah. Um, score slash soundtrack. I mean. Soundtrack's fun. It's memorable. Yeah. I think the soundtrack and score are balls. Yeah, the white... <laughs> You don't like it? No. Oh man, I love that white. I love that white zombie song, Dracula yeah. at the party. That's that's like the the song. I feel stuff. like that's that's like if hackers like real hackers at the time watch it, they're like, see, they think we listen to Rob Zombie all the time, <laughs> and we do. But like, we do think that. How did they know? <laughs> they probably listen to like Jim Croce. We got hacked. <laughs> <laughs> They probably listen to what? Jim, Jim Croce? They're, they're be, in their club with strobe lights listening to the top of a bottle. <laughs> they, they'd probably be more ironic than the on the nose of, of Dragula. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on. I like this question. Uh, of those involved with the film, directors, actors, whoever, uh, would this be anyone's top achievement for their career? If not, for which performer or person would it be closest? I think it's the Wachowski's crowning achievement. For sure. Yeah. Yep. They've been trying to recreate this magic for right. a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love Sensate. I think it was a fun, fun show, but it doesn't scratch they did, this. Did they do V for Vendetta too? No, no. Oh, okay. They may have produced that. Oh, okay. But that's uh, they're involved in some way. I just didn't know. Different guy directed it. Okay. Um, then <laughs> yeah, this is by far their crowning achievement. Yeah, I don't think it is for Hugo though. Mm-mm. See, I think it is. I think it is too. I think it's a better performance. It's maybe not a better, a bigger movie or a better movie than Lord of the Rings, but I think it's his best performance because. No, I'm not going Lord. I'm going going V. Oh, mm. eh, might need to revisit that one. Um, I would also, I don't know, maybe Lawrence Fishburne too. Maybe I'm just not up on the enough I just Lawrence don't Fishburne know movies about Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Being able to say one way or the other. But for me, it's probably the best performance. I mean, it's what I think of when I think, I think of Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, it's Carrie Ann Moss also because she. Mm. I mean, she's in too. 
Memento. Memento's really good, and also her 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 turn as uh, Jerry Hogarth in the Defenders stuff is really good. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys are up on that Defenders tip. So mm-hmm. if anybody hasn't seen The Matrix, you can definitely count it as like the, the one Wachowski thing you need to see. The <laughs> if there's only one, I I, I want to say though that it's also like saying if you want to see the movie where or if you want to see a television show where Sophie Turner is at her best. Kit Harrington's at his best. Arya Stark's at her best. Watch Game of Thrones. I said Arya Stark. Like, this is, I mean, most of the people in this, other than Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne, had small-ish roles before. Or, like, really understated performances. This was their first, like, stab at any chance at fame or success. Right. And they knocked it out of the park. Right, yeah. But I think the, the talk of fame part of that question, though, is is important still where the Wachowskis are important filmmakers. Right. Just like... Uh, important actors, too. Like, pe- people, actors would, you would know without right. necessarily having seen the movie. I would challenge the, essent- the assumption in this question is, like you're saying, for them to be a number one achievement is something you have, they have to be important. I would challenge that the Wachowskis are essential directors in the history of film. I think they are because of this movie. Because of this... Well, it's kind of well, circular with, logic. With the question, like, this is the number one achievement... If this is the only movie they direct, does that make them essential? Because you're saying, you're I'm actually, saying I don't I'm know saying, how to phrase this. But I, know, I yeah. see what you're saying, and I'm, I'm saying no. If they the only movie they directed was like, I don't know, Bad News Bears, but this is a directorial achievement of a film, is what regardless of it being a debut or, you know, does that I, get what you're saying? I get what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, I do too. I mean, I, I agree with it. I think, but I think the fact that it's this movie so maybe, makes it a little different. Maybe I don't think they're essential directors. They're not the Coen but Brothers. But this is essential but, direction. But they are a name brand that I think enough like, people If I'm talking have. about representation in the talk of fame, it's like we should probably represent this creator because they're important to film or something like that. I wouldn't necessarily The question like wouldn't they... answer that. It would answer that, all right, this is their number one, but that's not as important as this is a well-directed movie. Yes, it's... It's not the most important thing. It's I not haven't like, quite hit the nail on the head what I'm trying to say, but... It's not like finding the greatest Coen Brothers movie. It's not like finding the greatest Hitchcock movie. Right. It's it's definitely sure, it's a, a lower thing. tier of director this, status. This is the only movie that you would really talk about that is a great movie that the Wachowskis directed. Yeah. Which, which that creates some bias when you consider this as a major point in determining sure. if this belongs in the, the pantheon of the greats, the greatest of all greats in the top of fame. They're notable more than essential as a as directors. Like, they're more notable than, uh, I don't know, who directed 10 Things I Hate About You. That guy. Gil Younger. Gil Younger. I mean, it depends who your audience is, too. Yeah. And it's also like, Martin Scorsese is bigger than Goodfellas. The Matrix is bigger than the Wachowskis. Right. Yes. As far as... Impact and it's also to me, yeah. It's 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 a yeah. It's just it's a it's mostly it's just weird a question subjective of like, thing. Did that, these people ever do anything better than this? But that the, we know of. But no. But why does everybody know their name? That's my point. Well, why why like, also do we care about their pedigree when determining whether or not this movie is great? It's, no, it's just it's a it's just it's a, just a, right. I I get yeah, it, but yeah. but when when you are it's not gonna decide either way. Yeah, when you're framing the discussion as. Why does it matter if this is their number one achievement? If this is the only thing that they strove to achieve, or strived, strove, 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 strived, 
Like, why would you count that against them? Like, you know, Scorsese's third best movie is not his number one achievement. It might be a better movie than this. It might be very well directed, but the the pedigree should be irrelevant to the movie. In the end, right? Yeah, this question is is separate. That I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's for you, the as a voter, yeah. to decide. Yeah. To also, that, that, that's also, the the end result. Just and also, put it in some con- yeah. personal context. Yeah. yeah. And also, with with direction, it's much harder. Then I think yeah. this is a much easier question if, like, if, if you know, we were very quickly able to rattle off, you know, three, four actors who this is probably their number easier one. Easier with actors. Yeah. Well, I would agree. For sure. Yeah. Um, I think the, I'll, I'll just blow through the, uh, the next one. Was the film financially successful? Yes. <laughs> Did it have mass appeal? Uh, yeah. It finished fifth domestically that year at the box office, made $171 million, made $463 million worldwide. Which was fourth for 1999, and one of those movies was the Return of Star Wars. So you know, third <laughs> in a normal year. Right. Yeah. Um, and it made over, you know, from IMDb again, over a hundred million dollars in rentals. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah, that's like um, some blockbusters total gross. What are rentals? <laughs> against I know, right? Uh, like a red box <laughs> okay. um, against a budget of sixty-three million too is nice. what it cost. Sixty-three million dollars. It grossed four hundred and sixty-three. So it made four hundred million bucks. Pretty good. Yeah. Huge success. Yeah. Um, and I think we've already touched on why audiences connected to it because it's a well done action movie with a lot of new stuff. It was cool as shit. Everyone saw it. Yeah, like it was. It was not de- demographic excluding. Um, is it important to film history? How did the film influence uh, cinema that came like immediately after? I just have one with this. Yeah, it didn't. I, I I had one 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 pro. I said it proved that smart sci fi scripts can sell, and we have seen that legacy since The Matrix. Sure. Where sci-fi movies are no, no longer just like, you know, not to talk shit about Alien, but like, you know, a person stranded on a ship, there's an alien there, have to hide, have to destroy it. Yeah, have or to get or like Star Wars, where it's just total you know, fantasy. lasers and yeah. fantasy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mainstream right. sci-fi stuff, creating a, uh, let's say, cabin industry for these kind of movies. Nice. <laughs> you, I avoided cottage. I like, I like are you dusting your uh, shoulders off right now? Um, <laughs> shoulders of my eye. <laughs> People can't see that. It was... Yeah, they weren't really like. It's not like we had a ton of like Matrix ripoff uh, movies that came out afterwards. No. Um, I think we. A ton, but I think we we did, but it's hard to remember them. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, because people in trench coats shooting in like office buildings and subways and stuff. Equilibrium absolutely yeah. happened. Well, that's true. It, it, For it, like five years, and then it, like died off. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was that like? Dark City. Did that, that came before. That came out before. Okay. Mm-hmm. But like ballistic X versus Sever is like uh, Lucy true. Liu in a like a cat suit mm-hmm. shooting like big guns and like running up walls and stuff mm-hmm. on a worthless movie being sold through the Matrix's credentials. Was 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 Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon the same year? Or was it the year after? Year after. Year after. Yeah. So I, th- I think that has, has clear Matrix influences in it from all the wire dancing. I think also the Matrix opened up the wire, uh, wire foo, what whatever yeah. you want to call it. Uh, to more mainstream movies like Kill Bill with uh, the brides fight through Crazy 88. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's hard to see Kill Bill happening without the something like The Matrix coming before. Sure. Um, also, I think the, the biggest lasting effect of it is uh, I don't know of a movie before. I'm sure there are some movies before, but uh, it's a movie where actors went under intense training for the movie, yeah. Did, and you, like, did you read the story about that? Spent like they well, which story? The, the the fight, the fight cinematographer or choreographer 
um, didn't want to do the movie, so he gave the Wachowskis some like ridiculous seven-figure sum for how much it would cost for him to choreograph the fights. And they were like, all right, we'll pay it. Yeah. And then he was like, all right, but uh, I'm going to need every actor, even ones not involved in fight scenes, to go to my fight clinic for four months. And they did it. And they're like, all right, yep. <laughs> so, uh, guess you got to do it. I mean, now it's such an afterthought, too, for like somebody to go to training for four months or yeah. whatever for a movie. And I think it's partially because of The Matrix. And it, and it fucking like, broke Lawrence Fishburne learned karate or yeah. kung fu. Or I think it, it was the expansion of a, a, a pre-training trope that was in movies. Yeah. You always had war movies... Actors go to boot camp. Yeah. That's like, it became synonymous with you're doing your training and deep in character is actor boot camp coming out of war movie culture. But after four months of choreographed fight training and like karate and kung fu and jeet kune do, whatever they were doing, Carrie Ann Moss and Hugo Weaving both injured themselves on set and and didn't tell anyone because they had invested so much into it already that they were afraid that they would get replaced. They, so much was dedicated to all of that and now Keanu Reeves like is not like method acting, but he's you know all the shots of him doing the the, the gunplay for John Wick two, like months in advance, where he's like actually running around a gun range and, like pulling off these mm-hmm. shots. Like, yeah, it, it broke him as an actor. Um, is I do want to pose this one. Do you actually think the Matrix's influence is felt today? I had a tr- I had trouble with this. I don't know in the visual filmmaking. I would say no. Uh, I would say, but it's more of it's the, so it's more in the business so side of things. Like what Chris was saying about sci-fi scripts and what I was saying about actor preparation. I think those are where you, I think that's the, where the Matrix was the most influential to current Hollywood cinema. There's so many steps that could take, sure. that it's it could take to get there that it's so hard to answer without like going back to 99 and then like slowly tracing your way here. Like, it could have influenced any movie that came out this year in True. some way. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I the more obvious I, visual effects aren't as prevalent today. No, and, and, and you know, it's funny because computers, they just, they've aged so rapidly yeah. that special effects of movies has gotten exponentially better in the past yeah, year by years. Year, I mean, yeah. it's, if they were still using what they used then, it's ridiculous. But that had to happen at some point to get to the next step. Right. You know? I, I will say, separate and apart from what anyone else said, because I don't want to put you in my camp, I don't think I'm smart enough where I've done the, the, the requisite scholarship to answer this question competently. That's fair. Me too. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm competent enough to answer any question that we've asked today, honestly. That's all. <laughs> well, well, I know if a movie was entertaining. Uh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I agree. Did it have cool music? Got that. <laughs> I, I described the music as balls. <laughs> I think it's. Uh, I think it kind of had to. The movie of this size kind of has to. Mm-hmm. Size and nature of what it did. I don't see how it couldn't influence today. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess an analogy for myself would be Reservoir Dogs influencing cinema for probably a period of 10, 15 years, and I don't think it is. It's its influence is felt anymore. Almost, I think that the it, it almost becomes film like a, has uh, gone past those influences. And it's tough. It's tough to justify that. Yeah. Besides, uh, just a personal thought. right. And I think a movie it can. I can, I think it can influence films today without that influence being felt. I think that's very possible. Right. right. Without think, without a director directly saying like, "Oh, I was influenced by the Matrix doing this." Right. Right. It's hard to say one way or the other. Yeah. There like, are, are most uh, one of the most 
successful films of all time is Avatar. I definitely do not feel the influence of that on right. anything going on in culture. I guess if this is what you're kind of getting at, like there aren't many movies that come out today and you're thinking like, oh, it's just like The Matrix or that reminded me of The Matrix. Is right. that what you're kind of... Yeah, I remember for a while, like probably five years, it was be like this as Matrix-style action. Like yeah. Matrix-style was like a adjective in film. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it was just a thought. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is it one of the best movies in its genre, being an action movie? First question. Oh, being an action movie. Fuck. I said sci-fi movie. I was going to ask if it was a hacker film. <laughs> that's, that's what I, I was going to ask. What do you guys think the genre is? Sci-fi so, action movie and basically... I mean, I think it's easy yeah. yes. For one of the better sci-fi For action sci-fi movies. action. I don't think it's an easy yes, but I think it's yes. Sure. I think it's also one of the best oh. hand, hand-to-hand fighting movies. Of all time. Uh, has, <laughs> I mean... Has, I don't know how to qualify that. Not like boxing, but like... <laughs> it's yeah. not one of the best boxing movies of all time. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> I think I wrote down... The body blows are pretty good. It's, it's, it's the greatest gun-fu movie of all time. That's what I wrote down. I Maybe. Know. I don't know. I think it's... It's in the discussion, I would think. Yeah, I think it's... Especially in its era. It's in, its, in, its, in its era? Well, I don't know. I just like as an exercise, I was like, if its genre is sci-fi, can I think of five sci-fi movies that I will watch over this movie anytime? Well, that's true. That's also how each of us defines best. Right. And I'm, I'm just, thinking like 25 uh, best or even 50 or something. I, I just, I, you know, I know I don't have endless amount of time or, you know, encyclopedic knowledge. And I wrote down four immediately. And then when you said of its time, I was, I'm ready to jump on that point. But then I looked down and the four I wrote predated. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's, yeah, no, it's, it's probably it's probably in my top top twenty sci-fi movies of all time. Yeah, I, I think one of the it's best things, of, and this is not to make a stupid pun, I think one of the best things about the Matrix is how genre bending it is. Yeah, like it's kind of a sci-fi movie, but the sci-fi elements are the least important part. It's about grappling with the like horrors of reality or not. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. It's I, I think it is, it is interesting to, to try and shoehorn this into one genre. Sure, yeah, it is. I, I feel like we felt it aged well. I think that's for the most the, part. For the most part, parts of it do. Parts yeah. of it, yeah. Um, and finally, it's time to vote. Well, before that, can we just say like the I like the Would you recommend this to someone? And, oh right, we moved right. that from one to right. And are you excited to watch it? I will say when we assigned it to homework, I watched it as late as possible. I was probably not really that excited to <laughs> see it again. And I don't know that I would recommend it. Really? I don't know that like people who haven't seen it should they see it. Probably, probably. <laughs> yeah. All right. Interesting. I would. I would recommend it to somebody our age. Anyway. Yeah. When it was assigned, I was not looking forward to watching it. Yeah. And then when I started watching it, I was gripped. The second that I was gripped in the carry <clears throat> awesome scene. Yeah. I was like, oh, I remember. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. It hit me early too. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. No idea what's gonna. If happen. anybody has uh, immunity idol, <laughs> now's the time to play it. All right. It's a close. No. Hmm. We have a vote. Inclusion. <laughs> Here, we're such idiots. This is a vote that says, yes, but... <laughs> Can't wait till you read mine, because it says, yes, question mark. mark. Yes. All right, so the yes carries at 3-1. Whoever voted no may write a dissent for the website. This will be posted. Does it have to be... I mean, it's obviously not going to be anonymous. Right now. It's... No, no, no. It was, I just wanted to read it anonymously. Yeah. 
So, I voted yes. I was extremely close to no. I was extremely close to yes. Uh, and Chris was a yes question mark. Yeah, I, I, I... The thing that got me, I was yes but, that <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff that I don't think translates today and they don't do well or pay attention to. But as far as, like, this is the example of an action movie and a sci-fi movie that I said yes for it. Yeah, it's, it's hard for me. I ended up, ended up going no because the things I love most about my favorite movies it doesn't have. And, and that, that was just a personal... I was like, at some point, I've got to go personal preference on it. Because right. in and the end, it doesn't... It doesn't really have a driving plot. It doesn't have great acting. It doesn't have a good love story. Those are the things I love. Yeah. Because if we voted tomorrow again, after all this discussion, I would probably go no. I could vote yes, though. Just as quick. Yeah, and I'm... The I'm, thing, I'm, like... It was a great first pick, yeah. Brent. One of the questions I wanted to put in here is, does the movie make you feel anything? And that was the biggest thing against it for me. Yeah. 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 It's It, it really is, because... I can, I can watch a movie and be like, "That's some dope shit in that movie." But like, if that's where it ends, it, yeah, it's, one it's thing, so damning. One fun thing about this is that we are going to have four different approaches to how diverse and how big we want this talk of fame to be, and our voting could all reflect that. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, I think that'll be interesting. So the Matrix carries it barely. With a 3 1 vote. In. Sneaks in. It's our first inductee. So check it out on the website, The Talk of Fame. I'm going to create like a little, like a page heading nice. for it so that we cool. can have uh, our, you know, voting histories on each movie and a little write up on each on each one. With, with hopefully some dissent from TJ. Hang on my phone. But we are going to assign homework for the next time we're doing it. Yeah. And that. Homework assignment is on Chris. I told you that I was going to make sure it was still streaming. Okay. And I didn't do that yet. So I'm doing it right now. But all things going according to plan. Uh, I'm a big fan of Nicholas winning Refn. I don't know if it was during these podcasts when I've talked about watching Neon Demon and uh, Only God Forgives. I know I've, I've commented on someone's status about Drive in mm-hmm. the Facebook groups. But... Um, <clears throat> There is one big hole in my Nicholas Winding Refn uh, viewership, and it is Bronson, which is a... It's the prequel to the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's where Bane got his start. It is uh, starring Tom Hardy, and it is a, a bleak-ass prison movie. And mm-hmm. so we are going to talk about prison movies when, we, right. when we return from break. Um, it is available on Netflix and Hulu for subscribers. Cool. True. Um, and... If you don't have access to those and are willing to spend 99 cents, you can get the HD version off Apple. Nice. You, you, you can get this movie for, for the cheap cheap. Sweet. Awesome. Sure. So this was a... Talkie Talk. Talkie Talk podcast with me by us. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Connect with us on Twitter and Gmail and our Facebook page and our Facebook groups. Details are in the show notes. Uh, we, we need you guys to subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating, and uh, engage with us on topics. I want to say thanks to Willow Walkers for the intro music. <laughs> thanks to Boo Reefa for the outro music. Boo Reefa. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know.